Excellence is a strong standard I hold dearly, as it sets a tone to go immediately outside the current thinking of yourself. What I'd like is for you to reach a level of excellence. And Pearl Tusi is on the podcast this week and next because she eloquently took her wisdom and personal experience without holding back. And we went on for a long time. She's laying out a path for you as somebody who lives in her excellence. This episode definitely gives a lot to think about. So give yourself a gift of stillness in listening to this. Welcome to yet another episode of Deep Dive with Vanessa Mde. I'm so excited to have our co-host today who is joining us from the Rainbow Nation of South Africa, the multi-talented actress, model, entrepreneur, the gorgeous and extremely sweet Pearl Tusi. How are you, sister? What an intro, girl. Thank you. Also, yeah, you've been letting me call you Vanessa MD, and now you're going to be like, yeah, my name is Vanessa MD. Wow, you are rude. <laughs> I'm so sorry for mispronouncing your name for so long. It's been the case for quite some time. And, you know, I, I just got tired of, like, correcting people. At some point, I was just like, you guys call me whatever you want. <laughs> you, you must do it, you must do it, do it with, uh, well, a collab with MT. So it's Vanessa MD and MT. <laughs> There you, MT. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's crazy. But no, I got used to it. And then at some point I said, you know what? We used to call Hallie Haley for a long yeah. time. And then she became Halle Berry. So I was like, until I, you know, if people say it right, then you know you made it. Right? Yeah. You know what? Correct. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Happy, happy, happy to see you. How's your Corona season been? Girl. Don't even get me started. Um, corona season's been interesting. It's been really tough, not because of the corona itself alone. I guess, obviously, if it's after effects of, of the pandemic, then yes, you know, like financial issues, work issues. But for me, like on a very personal level, you know, something really intense happened at the beginning of our lockdown in South Africa. And um, it completely threw me off. And I was actually quite excited to be stuck at home with the kids planting and doing, you know, family stuff and homeschooling or whatever. But it took me a minute to kind of recover from that initial um, event that took place. And then to move on from that kind of really started maybe a month ago. And for me, I think this is a really important time for the world to take stock of what's been happening, what's happening and where we want to go, recalibrate. And understand as each nation or a continent or as a race where we want to move forward to. So I think it's a really good time for that. It's just a great pity that when, when your character is being tested, even as a group, um, that test, you know, you really find out your true character. And I think we're learning a lot about the human race um, right now during this extremely testing time to understand our character as a collective. But I think we need to figure out our individual strength of character and then hopefully mm. work the best parts of that into the group. That's right. You said that beautifully. 
I feel like one of the things that is show that is beautiful about this period is that people are really are, their characters are really showing they're coming forward, and then it's a good way to know who to keep or who to eliminate in this time. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm about to be dropping a whole lot of people in post COVID. Oh, I'm so glad I got this call. <laughs> <laughs> um do you you know i feel like a lot of people look at your life and they say you know pearl is a living testimony of having made it but the first thing you say to me when you come on this podcast is that you went through a really trying time at the beginning of the season do you Mm. do you care to expand on that was it a personal experience was it um i mean professional experience experience is it my my father passed away So I was like, I'm so sorry, sis. It's all good. I literally went off the grid, babe. Like it was really, really bad for me. I mean, there are some people who are able to share this type of moment with the world. But for me, it was, you know, I mean, the way the way I was raised and taught to grieve and not that there's a right or wrong way to grieve. I'm not judging anyone. Okay, well, there are people I've judged, but I'm not really judging anyone for I don't know. There's something about using death or mourning for likes. And I'm not saying everyone uses them, but there are people who definitely know or seek some sort of comfort from social media. And I think for me, while I'm hurting or while I was hurting deeply, deeper than probably what I am now, because it still hurts, is... I don't want to look for affection on social media because that's usually the same place that breaks me. I feel like there's very little you can trust on, on these platforms. You know what I mean? 100%. And some people may genuinely want to support you, but you know, the following week they'll hear a lie that you do drugs or something. And they're the same people who turn against you, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, it was really important to kind of be alone and not allow any distractions from the outside world in, even by mistake. Because I think it's also the way I was feeling, it was going to be very dangerous if I reacted to something on social media and people didn't know what I was going through. It was something I couldn't announce. I just feel like it's super sacred when, especially a parent, I guess, passes away. Uh, my dad wasn't a public figure, so there was also no reason for me to mourn with the country or whatever. So I, I kind of chose to go through it alone and with my closest friends and um, my family. But you know, there's obviously that self-destructive period, you know, at some stage of your, of a mourning or grief. And you just want to do that in, in this, in a safe place. Um, and that's why I went off the grid for a little bit. And, um, it kind of destroyed the initial phase of what I was planning to do at this time, but I'm, I'm catching up. Well, thank you for sharing. That's beautiful because I know there's a lot of people who have been grieving in this time. People mm-hmm. who've been affected by losing, like you, a parent in many different ways. And others who are affected by losing um, a, par- a family through, you know, obviously the pandemic and otherwise. You know, mm-hmm. grief, death happens. You know, unfortunately, it's the one thing that's guaranteed about this life is that you know there will be there shall be death and you know i just want to send you my love and my warm 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 hugs and wishes i lost my father very early and before there was um social media or before there was grieving before there was attention seeking on these social spaces and i hear you 100 percent. a lot of people have used these platforms to find 
likes to find to grasp on any form of attention that they can get. But this is also something that we should talk about because a lot of people don't know how to handle or deal with grief. A hundred percent. I think though the fame drug or rather the fame monster or disease, because fame with everything is an equal and opposite reaction or with attention, receiving lots of attention and the addiction of it. I think, you know, there are, there is a time in one's life if you get a lot of it that it, it, it loses its um, charm, you know? Mm. But like for me, I feel like I've reached that stage. But I also check my phone regularly to see how that, that picture is doing with the likes or whatever. And I just thought to myself, is that really what I want to do with my father's passing? Am I, do I want to be checking Instagram? Is this not the worst time in my life right now mm. that I can really still feed this addiction? And the thing is, there's no cure for, I think Jay-Z said it, there's no cure for this fame disease thing. There's no like... Worst drug known to man. Stronger right. than heroin. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a really important time to kind of just switch completely off. But that's me. No, we appreciate your method and it works for you. And that's beautiful. The thing about knowing how to grieve and understanding what works for you, I guess, will get you past that phase and, you know, into a beautiful next phase, which is where I think you may be right now, if I'm correct. Um, I am in, I am in a good place right now. Um, but there's a a lot of it is, if I'm going to be honest, you know, a lot of it is putting it aside to catch up with life because I learned when my mother passed away about 16 years ago that life goes on, you know, people go on, you are like, your life has stopped. Your world has come to a standstill but you just watch the rest of the world moving and it's okay. Just because you, you choose to be still, it doesn't mean you're not progressing just because mm. the rest of the world is moving. Your progress sometimes is in stillness. And however, there is a thing of priority, prioritizing things that are worldly. I've got to catch up on work. I have to feed my family. I can't phone my bank and be like, my dad died. I can't pay your bills. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't work like that. So I'm kind of trying to find that healthy balance between making time for the pain and making sure that the boat that my family's on is afloat. Do you know what I mean? Because it's my Mm -hmm. job to row and fill it up or whatever. But um, it's important to, to let the pain work its way through this period because otherwise you carry it forever and that can be extremely detrimental in the future in my opinion it's happened to me before right so yeah. since we've dived so deep from the word jump with you, Pearl, <laughs> i feel like Sorry. we're 50 feet under i love it no this is the <laughs> essence of this podcast what do you think is the most important thing you've taken from this time if you could say look back in five years and say, you know what? I learned this in that stillness and stillness is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that the world needed it. And it's we've last a few weeks ago, we spoke about, you know, the, the importance of the world needing to stand still with all the stuff that's been going on for decades. Now, what is the thing that you're going to look back at this time and say, you know what? I learned that in that stillness. Wow. Um, I think, wow. I've never really, I think that's for me being, Right now, while I think about my answer, I'm thinking that just the opportunity to be still. Mm. Just the world finally allowing us to stop, making us stop. Do you know what I mean? Because whenever you paused four months ago, 
to catch your breath, you felt like you were getting left behind. Am I making sense? 100%. Like whenever there, whenever there was a pause, it was like, let's say if I was a musician, then it's like, oh my God, I'm Boiti. And I pause because I've got label issues. Now I'm watching Vanessa and Nadia and Gigi Lemayne and everyone else move. And it's almost like there's a, no, there's no race. Just stop. No race. Yeah. It's not a race. Just hold on. Um, so for me, just to not have to feel guilty every time I take a few extra hours of sleep. You know what I mean? Like, I think for me, that's been a really, really big thing. It's been, been a really important thing in my life. No, um, it's so powerful. Time with my children has been, I think, the best as well. I've had a lot of time with my kids. Uh, time that I would have never otherwise been able to spend, like literally like five months straight going on. And they've never really kind of had this. I've never had this, like literally just being stuck at home. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cherish this time, especially with uh, Oguhle, who's younger. Um, mm-hmm. I never really got, you know, obviously she's, I'm like a legal guardian right now. Uh, she wasn't in my body for nine months. You know, the first three years of her life, I wasn't there. And now to kind of connect with her, it's like that's happening right now in, in a way that's it's speeding up the process of our connection because we're able to spend quite a, quite a while together, which is great. I love that. I love that. Hurata human interaction, normal human interaction. <laughs> some, of y'all are, some people are alone, hey? I, I had a friend who was like, I haven't touched a human in three weeks when we had our lockdown. And I right. just thought, I don't know what that feels like. Like I have these two annoying children every morning, every evening to deal with. <laughs> I've got my brother here, my nanny here, three dogs. We have birds now. So like there's a lot happening in my household. So I always feel, I always feel um, a, a lot of empathy for people who are spending this time alone. No, for real. Well, thank God for small mercies and people and interaction and moments where we can cherish like the ones that you've just mentioned. Speaking of which, girl, you have so many cherishable moments to date. I'll take you back to a time when we did something extraordinary together. What did we do? Well, you, it was, I don't know the year. I don't remember the year. Maybe you're going to remind me of the year, but we, you were hosting Lip Sync Battle in oh, yeah. South Africa. <laughs> and um, I, I, you, you, you had such a, a, a beautiful aura to you. You were happy. You were, you were in love. You were going through such an amazing phase in your life. I was just so happy to see you because the last time I saw you on Live Amp. And then, you know, this time you're on this beautiful platform. You host this incredible show and, you know, you're just glowing. And I, I love to see sisters win. I love to see people just bask in their successes. And I was like, you know what, Pearl, this is a moment I'm going to treasure because you were like, God, I'm so happy. And the next time I saw you, you were going through an amazing time. So I said, pros always, you know, it's nice, to, <laughs> it's nice to always bounce off and feed off of your energy and your vibes. What would you say has been in your, throughout your career, a moment that you would say, you know what, I, people think that, you know, you've, you've, you've won the awards, you've shot the amazing movies, you've been an incredible, on these incredible red carpets, you've lived it all. But what is one moment that people won't even fathom is one of your most cherished moments altogether? Oh, wow. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make this, um, I'm going to make this moment a dedication mm. to someone, to someone very special that we've lost as a country. Uh, Mom Mary Twala just passed away. Mary Twala Mklongo, the mother of Somizi Mklongo. 
um, mm-hmm. just passed away last week and his show actually airs today and his well, husband's birthday was the same day as the There were so many like coincidences um, that I noticed about his mom's passing and his mom was someone I worked with and I have like a top three people who have made me laugh the hardest on set. It was her, Russell, and uh, the guy who plays Fred on Queen Sono. Um, his name is Larissa Matinga. Mm. And, uh, but Mum Mary tops the list in that she like took me under her wing. I, I mean, I was like an, an irritating flea, like just following her around everywhere, laughing at everything she said. Um, and she was extremely talented, extremely wise. And I just want to say, I really cherish the moments that I've worked with people I never thought would know my name. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think when you've had international exposure, we forget to praise our local stars who, who allowed us to dream, who, who were in the business when there wasn't much money in it, who were in the business for the passion. There was no social media. The fame wasn't that measurable um, in terms of the finances. And they've sacrificed for us to be able to have these type of podcasts, especially in South Africa, you know, where our freedom came so much later. They were the Miriam Makebas, the Huma Sigelas, those people, especially Hugh, Brahu is what we call him. And the moments I've had with my Mary, Brahu, um, there's a gentleman called who passed away, Joe Mafela, uh, Darlington. I've had some people where my mind is blown that I've worked with on set that I grew up watching. And I want to specifically celebrate the local icons, not just of South Africa, but of the continent. I've even had the pleasure of interviewing um, Mam Angelique Tijo right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. that's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. And some other incredible stars. So I just want to just pay homage with this moment to all the incredible human beings that came before us in this industry. And I can only pray that with the legacy they've created, we carry the baton and make them proud as we pass it on to the next generation. I love that. I love that. Do you feel like in those moments, because you said that it was, it was shocking to you that they even knew your name. Right? Uh, yeah. And you were like, damn, you know who I am? Like, and you're like, oh, my work is moving, right? Mama, I made it. It <laughs> <laughs> was definitely a mama, I made it moment for you. What is on the flip side, a moment where someone who you didn't know moved you incredibly, be it a fan, be it a writer, be it a producer, be it someone who you met on the streets of God knows which, which country. What is one of those moments that stand out to you where you're like, this human being has definitely moved me to the core? Why, girl, I've got some fans, man, who... Like, there's one, her name is uh, Tetello. Um, I even know her name. I follow her now. Like, wow. we're like homies. <laughs> like, but she's still, like, like fanning. And um, her name is Tetello. She's had a kid now. But she's literally got footage and pictures of me from 2003 when I did Miss SAT. She wow. literally discovered me there and has been with me throughout since then, your journey, throughout my entire career. Before I even realized I had a career in high school, <laughs> before I even knew this thing was a career, I was just like trying to be cool in high school and doing things outside of the school that were making me like a, a popular girl because I was kind of like nerdy. I was easy to bully or whatever. And so, um, yeah, that moment when she kept on reiterating that that's how long she's been supporting me. It's like, whoa, man. Like, I think my career only started popping seven years later, seven, eight years later. And she was still following my career that entire time. And I thought that was crazy. There's also a girl called Renee. 
Um, I think there's another one called Nkechi in Nigeria. People who just like stand so hard, you can't help but notice them. So that's, that's like pretty crazy. But a really cool story from recently um, is, you know, David Oyelewo? Yes. He was having a conversation with my director and they were like, they were like beating their chests about productions. Like, oh, this is my intellectual like prowess over this topic, you know, like, you know, doing what guys do, um, <laughs> but using their careers. So they were chatting about some show of David Oyelewo's friend. And then apparently David was like, oh, if we're being honest, let's talk about Queen Sono. And then he kind of like trashed the show like a little bit, apparently. But then he was like, yeah, what you've really got going for you is that lead actress of yours, that Queen Sono, she's, she's it. Take care of her. I said, woo, thank you, Jesus. Ah! <laughs> so uh, it's the first time I actually tell this story. So it's pretty cool to think like David's seen my work, you know. Did he do the, was this in an interview? No, it was in their private phone call. That's what I'm saying. The world will know about this for the first oh, time. Right? <laughs> oh, you just gave us an exclusive. 100%. So, Carmen being like to, um, oh, what's her name? The lady who's a comedian? Tiffany Haddish. They right. were having like that Bumble ad or whatever. And he was like, hey, let's watch some Queen Sono on our day. Oh, yeah. And I was like, damn. But it was during my process of mourning. So, I couldn't even celebrate those moments publicly. And what's really cool about that is that you learn what you actually care about. When I, when I went off the grid on social media, like I learned, I re- learned and remembered so much about things that I enjoyed doing, not because there'll be a camera or a moment where you enjoy it, even if you can't capture it. Right. A hundred percent. Where you capture the moments that you're living instead of right, living right. them to capture them. To capture they, them. The moment captures you. Yes. Ooh, that's that's kind of dope. Oh, girl. Give you some clicks for that one. Ah, There you go. You know what's something interesting you just said is that, and most people won't think that you ever need it because you are Pearl Tusi. You are the real African Pearl, Mama Panther. You've been in our households for as long as we can remember. You've graced our screens. We've heard your voice. Your image is so powerful and beautiful and prolific. And you just empower and embody. Is that really what people think out there when they think of me? You really think that? I'm I'm telling you what I think. I don't know what. Oh, you know you're crazy. Do you sit at home and think Pearl Tusi and DJ Zinte and? Debanj, Tiwa Savage, think of Vanessa Day and think, wow, what a powerful force of nature. One hundred percent beautiful woman. I don't sit at home and think like that, hey? You're like, no. teach me. So let me say this, let me say this to you, right? What's crazy is that we don't we don't know how we, we are we live in these bodies, right? Yeah. So we cannot have out-of-body experiences and watch. Right. And I keep talking about how social media can be super deceiving and how I took a complete break off of it because I got tired of living in the pressure of trying to maintain an image. Right. So you tell me how you feel, because this is what I see. And this is what I know. And this is all I know because, girl, you are Pearl Tusi, Queen Sono, first African <laughs> Netflix uh, show, TV series. Yeah. This is what we see. So tell us what you feel. Whoa, man. 
I think it's part of my charm that I don't like it takes people reminding me that yo I'm I'm the girl, you know what I mean? You're like I am the girl, right? Like I have my moments as well. Um but I think I don't know about you V, but like sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like fuck I'm not even close yet. I need to work harder. You know? 100%. I think we all have a vision and I've realized my life I don't know why I'm feeling low key emotional, but like it gets really emotional on this show, girl. Whatever. I, 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 I can I kept show. it together this whole time. Like I'm pretty proud of myself. So let's see how much further I can go. Mm. But the idea of what I want to achieve is so much bigger than me that I kind of have an understanding of how of what freedom fighters of any generation and nation felt when you realize that your vision could be beyond your lifetime. One hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? And when I came back to this continent from New York, I was like, I want Africans to be self-sustainable and I want Americans to beg us to be in their shows. That's what I want. I may not live to see that, but I'm damn sure going to build the type of legacy where that can possibly happen. And I've always said, you know, even if I'm not remembered for what I do, even if for what I did or what I contributed as long as it happens. That's when you realize like you really care about something. And I may not be the most prolific filmmaker. I may not be the most prolific actress for some people. I may not even be the most prolific human being, but if I can believe in a prolific thing, you know, every dream needs but one fool to fight for it. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I'm a fool for African power. I'm a fool for like the African dream. I want, I want everyone's ancestor to be proud of, being their ancestors wildest dream. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I w- that's what I want. I want to leave, like, you know, I know I get a lot of flack for, like, ah, uh, light skin this, you know. Uh, I get a whole lot of that stuff, but I've gotten it my whole life, and I've made peace with the fact that, you know, for some people, I'll never be dark enough, or I don't understand what dark girls went through, and I get accused of a lot of things. But, you know, there's, there's a time and place where you're, like, Beyonce was accused of this, but she's the biggest advocate of, of like black people's rights right now that so much so people have forgotten. So if I just stay in my course and, and fight for my people, whether I look like them or not, that for me is something that's really important. And for all the people of this continent and those who aren't even on this continent right now, if they can feel beautiful, they can feel valued, if they can respect each other, so that we can have an industry, especially entertainment, because we are the leaders. We, we champion people's emotions and we reflect society. Do you know what I mean? And we mm-hmm. need to show a better reflection of society back to themselves so that they can, we can be a better society. I mean, I love your guys' industry in Tanzania. I love the Nigerian um, film industry because people really have a sense of national pride, which mm-hmm. in some of the other, um, especially the English colonized, you know, there's a, there's a serious sense of self-hate in some of those colonies. And we still need to work through a lot of that to have a sense of national pride. Well, you know, this is, this is something that has been indoctrinated in our, um, for generations. And it's yeah. up to us to now to strip those layers away. And I loved what you said about being, you know, Pearl, there's only a handful of African entertainers who can say they had front and center have front and center on a mainstream global platform or have had the reception of a mainstream global audience you being one you know what i mean so what i'm what 
I loved about what you said is you came back from New York and this, I'm guessing from shooting Quantico and yeah. seasons out there, you had to make a huge sacrifice, leave your kid and, you know, take time away from home and the people you love and the place that you've been, you know, brought up from and, home, you know, yeah. and, 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 and live this dream. And you come back home and you're like, you know what? I actually, still truly believe that you know we are going to be the dreamers the ones who fought for our freedom and our our, our our stories and what about that experience made you come back even more vigorously African than you left because I've hung out around the largest amount of African diaspora or people from the African diaspora when I was in New York right I met more African people than I met while I was here, as in from different places. Right. And that really inspired me because I realized, oh, we're not, we don't, we're not any less intelligent as the people working in this industry. Um, it's, it's very corrupt as well. Just it's well regulated. You know, Mm -hmm. it's had enough time to to become a regulated industry in the States. And that's what we need back home so that the industry can grow. But the self-love aspect for black people, I think, is top of the list. If black people can heal and look in the mirror and love what they see, they will choose to watch who they love as well. Mm. You know, Mm. and I think that's really, really for me, like a big goal. Um, Oh, and, and the other reason for me that there was vigor when I came back is because I believe in the African spirit, the African dream. And for me, because there's still so much that needs to be achieved on this continent, it means the greatest amount of opportunity is here. And mm-hmm. icons are made from the least popular decisions they make, usually. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or the decision that is against the grain. So for me, there was something about, I knew that I'll be fine if I care and living in the States. In fact, there was a job that I got that was paying a lot more, tons more than what I was getting on, um, on, on Queen Sono. But by the grace of God, I only found out about that show once Queen Sono had been announced because I wonder if I was being made to choose from the two, you know? Like, how would I have looked at it? If I was in the States, I would have taken the job there, obviously. But, mm-hmm. but because I was back home already, I was able to make a healthy decision, still looking at the people around me saying, I want to make my, my continent and my country proud. It'll be less money. It may even be less glory, but we'll see what happens because this is what I truly believe in. And the, the idea of self-belief and also teaching Af- the African child that you don't need to be in America. You don't need to be in Europe to feel valuable, to feel like you did something special, to feel important. Um, yes, traveling out of your country brings a lot of um, experience. It, it, culture, you know, exposure. Culture, yes. all of that. But for me, there was something, Trevor's already done it. Black Coffee's already done it. But there was something for me about doing it from home to teach African kids, specifically South African kids, that you can be a worldwide star right from here. You're home. Okay. Yep. Yep. I always say, I always say, you know, stay where you're watered and nurtured. That's where the plant will grow. I mean, I, when one of my uh, last podcasts, I spoke about, you know, African entertainers and the musicians Mm. from the continent and how we aspire to be big American pop stars or big on the American radio waves. And for me, it's so anti-productive because you are going to come here 
to the United States of America, which is, yes, the biggest and most developing entertainment industry in the world, maybe the oldest. Developing, no, but the biggest. Um, you're going to come here and compete with the Selena Gomez's of the world who haven't even been conceived yet. They have a few chances for their own. So you're going to try and fight and scramble for a little slice of bread when there's a whole bread loaf back home that is waiting to be, you know, devoured. So there's so much more opportunity back home and there's so many more opportunities for us to shine in our own strength. And I think that this is something that we need to really embody and speak about and nurture in our children. And again, it's been indoctrinated in us since colonization from the British rule, from the German rule, from the Portuguese rule, from the <laughs> we could go on. You know what it, you know what from they do. Spanish. <laughs> from Spanish, from the Dutch. It's been done. All the rule that has taken over a lot of our generations, and we need to really just cut those ties right now and kind of like plant new seeds of empowerment and plant new seeds of ideologies of greatness like you are doing yourself. So I have to applaud you on that. You know what I mean? I really, really admire who Thank you are you. and the choices that you've made because truly it, it, it is enticing. But how long will it last and will it resonate in generations and for generations to come. So I really applaud and respect that about what you've done. And now let's go to the fantastic Queen Sana. Oh, Pearl, I don't know how you pick <laughs> it like this. I don't know how you, like, how long does it, give me a typical pre-production phase for you, for us, for Queen Sana. Girl, it was crazy. I've actually started working out now because I gained a bit of weight um, and you know, cause like for literally for four months, I didn't work out. So now I'm getting back into it before they make me get back into it. You know what I'm saying? So that I'm prepared this time. Um, but basically I remember when it got really intense, we were flown to Cape town to learn stunts and literally like from eight thirty nine o'clock, we would rehearse our stunts maybe from like, yeah, from eight thirty nine have lunch at like one o'clock, carry on again till four. And all I wanted to do was bath. And in Cape Town at the time, they had like literally no water. They had a drought. Mm -hmm. Yes, they did have a drought. I had to compromise with the people then take, I need the bath plug, guys, please. I cannot take a shower. And if I do take a shower, it'll be a two hour shower. So, you know, like decide what you want to do. <laughs> like I'm going to waste more water if I shower anyway. So luckily I was able to get that battle just so I could have Epsom salts, but literally was work out the entire day. And then just before we started shooting, it would be the stunts, then it would be wardrobe, then it would be, you know, script meeting, learning lines, and then discussing stuff with the producer. It was crazy. And then once we started shooting, I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my entire life. Like literally never have ever, never have I ever worked that hard. Uh, but you know, it was the most rewarding experience of my life. I think I did a great job. I, no one can actually take that away from me. There are moments in the, in, in the series where I'm like, mm -mm -mm. but I've had imposter syndrome for so long that I'm super critical of myself. And when I watch Queen Sono, I'm not disappointed with myself. I'm, ex I'm actually extremely proud of the work that I did. And I can only thank the amazing team that I worked with. And that's all that matters as long as you 100% know that you gave it your best. And, you know, I'm really proud of you, sis. No one has done that and can Thanks, say that babe. they've done that before. So you, you take it. Don't let anyone impose on your feelings about how hard you worked and what you did. 
You know what I mean? Because we're in a generation where people are imposing their thoughts on everybody. So you're confused as to what my actual thoughts are because there's so many opinions about your work. I was like, wait, hold up. I didn't feel about that. everything we do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you've spoken on that. I think it's so important. Like I keep saying, even with the Mac deal, or oh, there's my Mac stuff, even with the Mac deal, I was just like, you know, enough of this first black whatever, or this first woman, whatever. I think women need to realize, and this is something I used to say long ago, but I used to sound like a hater, right? People thought I was being a hater. And I was like, no, guys, the more we, we try to be the first black whatever, the more we are making people feel like we are equal to them. And being black or being a woman is, is, is greater than being equal to somebody else. Do you understand? Mm. Let that sink in. Mm. Being a woman or being black, just being yourself, you, you can't be like trying to be equal to something else. And for me, I wanted to be like, you know what? As a black woman, let me create a bar that no other human on this continent, possibly in the world, has ever done. Do you understand? So mm. I'm going to do something no one has ever done to show a black woman that she can be something someone else has never been before. And we can start having the first white man to do a Netflix series in Africa and lead it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because those are the type of stories we need to start telling girls that actually where they put glass ceilings for you, get out of there, go create your own atmosphere where there's no ceiling and limit sky's the limit. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm, mm, mm. So we've got to start teaching, especially young black kids, that type of mentality. Now you are greater than being equal to a white or a male counterpart. You are greater than that. You are better than that. Go and show them what you truly are. And, and this has been my narrative from day one. I didn't go into any room saying female artist. It was artist period. Because then when you say female artist, 100%. you've already put that ceiling. Did you love it? Please subscribe and write a review or tell your friend about the show. Find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Vanessa Day. Thank you to my producer, Amanda Rosenberg, and the team at Jam Street Media. We're having such an amazing time and look forward to coming back next week. From Jam Street Media.